Hey, hey, everyone. Welcome to the Lisa and Cherie podcast. We're so glad that you could join us. Today, we are going to jump right into the conversation. So let's get started. Me and Cherie are talking about creative play. Um, especially in young children. It's something that's really important, but I think as adults, a lot of times we just take it for granted and we look at our kids and be like, oh, they're playing. But reality is creative play is so important. And with the increase of technology use, creative play is happening less. So we wanted to take this opportunity to talk about why creative play is so important. Well, I like this topic because I'm already feeling better about my parenting style. I am (laughs) one of those mothers who is like not um, very strict about you take out one toy type and you play with it and then you put it back in the box and then you take out the next toy type because I was like the blocks belong with the Legos which belong with the animals and the cars and the people because if we're really going to use our imagination – They need all of them to come up with whatever they're going to play with. So that's my good excuse for why the the play area can be all mixed up. But you're and it's okay, (laughs) and it's okay. But but on a serious note, um, you're saying that there is actually ties to how your brain functions and creative play that makes that kind of thing have positive impacts on the developmental process of children. Yeah, so when children actually play, they're problem solving. So that's why you will see children love to mimic real life. Like they love to play pretend. You know, like I remember when two of my kids were really little, they played getting married over and over again. Oh, yeah. We had, we had, I had brothers getting married and they would play this and, you know, and stuff. Or like, you know, when, you know, they'll play with baby dolls or play with, you know, and even boys sometimes, like they like to play pretend. We had, you know, a dollhouse and my boys would play with their action heroes and the house would catch on fire. Like, so all these scenarios, but what it is, is they're actually acting out like things that they see in here going on real life. It's, it's problem solving and learning how to interact and work together. Playing together does that. But also what it does is when you're playing, you're using both sides of your brain. So from what I've read is that the neurons are firing from either side of your brain and that actually grows your brain and grows your intelligence. So these types of things are really important. Creative play outside, nature, being outside is so important. So like when you are outside and your kids are running around, sensory, touching, feeling, hearing, all those types of things grow your brain, balance, core strength, all that kind of stuff comes into play when you're outside. So if your kids are not getting outside and they're not jumping, they're not walking across things and bouncing, they're not climbing, you're using all your muscles, you're using your whole body, all that stuff helps grow your muscles, core balance, brain development, and that's why play is so important. But we as parents sometimes think of like play as They're just occupying themselves. And until you really start to study and look at it, it is actually critical for brain development. So if you have your kid and they're just sitting around on a screen, like they are not going to be able to tap into, like if that's their like childhood mode of childhood entertainment, like that's what they do. You're actually not tapping into all that's in their brain as far as creativity, like things that will, you know, it, it doesn't benefit them in later on as an adult. And I was just to clarify too and ask you a follow-up question. We can talk about playtime being, oh, we're playing on our screens, 
but that eliminates all the tactile, mm-hmm. all the senses, yeah. and so that kind of thing would not be the type of play that you're talking no, about. No, you need to involve like your play, your whole senses, your brain is is problem solving and thing, and not that like any sort of gaming, like any sort of like things, like things can happen when you're on devices. It's not all bad, but you still need to make sure you are setting aside long chunks of time for creative play. And sometimes it takes a while for kids to get engaged in that. I know too, like if your kids like go on screens and then go off, do you find that they just go around? Like my daughter will go around being, I'm bored, I'm bored. And I'll be like, of course you're bored. Your brain has just been entertained for an hour with a device. But if we wake up in the morning on a Saturday and I say no screens till after lunch, it's a lot easier them to engage in something creative or playing or, you know, get into reading or find something to do that's, you know, using their body or their mind or whatever versus just using, you know, being entertained. Because there is this thing of it's easier to just sit on a sofa and watch a screen as opposed to you have to come up with an idea. You have to use something in your space that's interesting. You have to engage with your imagination and often with another person Mm -hmm. if you're playing with another person. And I find that that those types of connections and the willingness to know that this has a reward cycle attached to it is you can see that. Mm-hmm. hasn't been developed. I, I often see this as a homeschool mom. We are um, really strong on read aloud. So I have read aloud to my children for years and years and years and years. And if you've ever interacted with another family that hasn't read out loud to their children or their predominant way of entertaining has just been television, they literally can't sit and listen to you read for more than like a certain period of time because their capacity to sit still and engage with that part of their brain where they're listening and they're imagining as they're listening hasn't been strengthened yet. Right. And some kids come by that a lot more naturally than others. We talk about this because um, my daughter was saying how like when she reads, she literally is got like a video screen going through her brain where like she doesn't like pictures because it ruins what she sees when she reads. I have another son that loves to read and I said, does that happen for you? And he said, yes. Now I love to read and I actually do enter in when I read, I enter into this zone where I am engaged in my story. I can't say that I have a video going, but I am engaged in it that like I don't hear what's going on. Um, but my other son, I said, he doesn't like to read as much or he likes graphic novels and stuff. And I'm like, do you see that? And he's like, no. And my, my daughter's like, man, I would hate for those people. Like, cause her friends are like, what you, you do that happens. But I also think like you have to, you know, if it's not something you do, you have to like, you know, you can learn some of that. I know my middle son did not pretend play very well, but my older son did, but he learned how to pretend play very well because his older brother did. So he was able to enter in. Had he been the firstborn, it would have been interesting to see what the if he would have pretend played as well as he did, being the oldest and not having an older brother that did and engaged him in pretend play and stuff. But yeah, it's just really fascinating because everybody's different. But yet, it's pretend play is still really important for even social development because, like, when they're playing with other kids they are learning social skills and learning how to work things out. So you have like kids come to school and then the teacher's like, they don't know how, they can't even play tag. Like we are having issues playing tag. Like we can't even let them play tag because they cannot, people, kids get mad. You know, they don't know how to resolve conflict. 
where if you're outside playing, even if it's just your siblings or with some neighbor kids, and there's conflict, you'll figure it out. Or like we had neighbor kids, I would go out. Sometimes I would monitor because of different things. But I would just be like, hey, we don't do different things or help them navigate. But they were all learning and they're playing and there's conflict arise. Well, then we solve the conflict. So they're learning this stuff at young ages. That all help. That's social and emotional development that happens when kids are playing, pretend playing together, and those types of things. Yeah, I I think it's interesting when you have a family where there is one child who is strong at imaginative play. Mm-hmm. Like I have some in my family that are strong on that, and then I have a very literal son who he's extremely literal in in everything. Even you know, if I say let's hit the road as a three year old, he would be like, "But mom, why? Why do we want to hit the road?" <laughs> you know, uh, but he is like surrounded and immersed in this storytelling culture, expressive culture, because that's just tends to be how uh, our family works. But he has such a rich love of irony and humor Mm -hmm. and storytelling now. So my, my heart goes out to the mom who has maybe one or two children and they're little. And I remember being this mom. And I remember one stage of parenting being like, can someone please, like, if my daughter asked me to play with her again for, like, another two hours, like, I feel like it's a hostage it is, situation. It is brutal, isn't it? It is like, I feel like, I could, I hated playing with my kids, and I felt bad, but I would be like, all right, I'll play with you for a little bit, and then, be, but I couldn't handle it, or like, don't make me talk. You want me to play yes. Barbies? I'm the silent intruder, you know, like, I don't want to talk. And it was mentally exhausting to play with your little ones. And I'd be like, well, I'll play with you for like a half an hour, but then you need to play by yourself, you know, and stuff. Or if you have like, I mean, I have friends, like they have, you know, they have one child and that child really struggles to play by themselves and always wants them. And I think it's like a training ground of like, I'll play with you some, but you still like teaching them they need to learn how to play by themselves or, you know, and as they get older, have friends over or different things. But it, it, it is brutal. That's hard. It is brutal when you are like, they want you to be their playmate because for whatever reason, maybe some people like playing, but that was like more draining than sleep deprivation. Oh my, my word. I, that was hard. And I think when I look at parenting today, I never remember like play dates and my mom feeling responsible to entertain me. Mm-mm. We're like, oh, we have all these things that we need to do and expose you to in the early elementary years. And I was, I think the mentality of how we engage with our kids as parents is different. Yeah. Where my mom used to be like, if I would say I would be bored, I would get chores, right? Yeah. So I started writing books as, you know, because that was something I could do where I'd walk outside and make up a story and use my stuffed animals and my my younger siblings as part of the the props and the actors with me and the in the things that we did. And I think also boredom is part of that. Boredom where yeah. you as a parent don't have to facilitate every moment of play, every moment of engagement, mm-hmm. because that boredom will produce that type of imaginative brain development activity that you want. Yeah. Like I know when my kids come to me and say they're bored, then I'll be like, oh, you'll figure something out. And then I just kind of continue on my thing. I think if your kids are bored all the time, you know, and ongoing, maybe you need to look at like what's going on here. Why are they always bored? But like, 
Um, but yeah, like for the most part, I feel like boredom does like there is a point where you get bored and you're going to have to like, they'll figure something out and it's the next step of engaging their brain into something new or different. Now, boredom is not something to be afraid of as a parent. It's something that it can be an opportunity for them to go past boredom into creativity. Right. And it just... It's just an interesting aspect. So in talking about creative play, we're not saying you as a mom have to do more to make creative play happen, mm-hmm. but to value it and recognize the importance of it and right. in how your child will grow and how their brain will grow. Right, and just creating space for it to happen. So some of your kids' favorite toys, especially like, and we are talking, like it's really important in those preschool, like kindergarten years is where like a lot of that pretend play Um, I would say foundation stuff and brain development stuff is really important and occurs. And I feel like if you've got given time and created space for this creative play to happen, you can build on it and help them be creative as they get older. And they'll kind of build on that as long as you you make space for that. Like there's space for like, hey, we have downtime today. We're not doing anything because kids need that as they get older, actually, too. You'll find that like, you know, as they get older, even middle school and high school, like it's important for them to have downtime, time where they're just at home. And not that they're necessarily just like decompose, like not decomposing, but like de-stressing on um, like just by going on screens. Like, no, where there's like just downtime for mental rest, physical yeah. rest, emotional rest, those types of things where they're reading or just listening to music, whatever it is, writing a story, like whatever it is that just helps them relax. And stuff, but those moments are important. But when they're little, allowing that time where they can just play. There's no agenda. There's nowhere to rush. We've got nothing to do. Go play with your toys, and you know, creating that kind of time for that to happen and letting them navigate. If your child has never done that before or hasn't done it very much, you may need to help them. You may have to be like, why don't you go set up a store and I will come shopping? Where like, I have done that. Will you come shopping? I go in, I buy three things and then I'm like, I've got to make supper now. Like, you know, go find someone else or like have some pretend customers or, you know, whatever. Where you engage a little with them, but like you're not actually playing with them the whole time. Right. Absolutely. All right, so Lisa has a lot of good stuff like this, and I think we're going to link to a few books that you said are really good. Mm -hmm. And this is just your parenting pep talk reminder to, even in the midst of COVID, go out, take a walk. Get outside. Shoot your kids outside. Jump on the Mm -hmm. trampoline. Let the toys get a little bit messy. You don't have to feel guilty about it all the time. We can clean up next week if we need to. You know, there's always, like, messy things that you can do. One thing that I left my kids do when I would get, like, really cheap outdated flour, and they would let them play with their matchbox cars on a cookie sheet. Now, if it's nice out, you can do it outdoors. I would, or you can put a big sheet down and let them play. They love pretending it was snow. Okay, but, like, you got to mentally prepare for those messy things. But there's so many things. Look for, you know, easy things like that that you can just put together and throw at your kids and making salt dough, especially when they're little, and then they can play with that, you know, and stuff. So you can always Google all sorts of different creative ideas, but even just letting them play with their toys yeah. is such a good thing. And honestly, and I know all the moms of Littlies just love hearing this repeatedly, but that time that you have is so short. It will not matter in five years whether you wash the dishes and whether you checked your socials over that hour, but um, making some intentional playtime happen will be something that's extremely helpful and create bonding and memory making. Go to the park. That's free. It doesn't have to cost a lot of money. Mm-hmm. 
get a cardboard box and draw all over it. My kids love that. Uh, we had a cardboard fort in that took up our entire playroom for like four weeks. And I finally like thought my house had grown like 10 feet when we finally got rid of it. So if you feel like you're living in a tight space, just create a box fort. Now, when you get rid of it, you'll think you have a brand new house. It'll, with be, lots of room, right? it'll be great. You'll be great. <laughs> all right. So this is your parenting pep talk for today. Thanks for listening. Thank you for joining us today. We love sharing our conversations with you. Please like and subscribe wherever you listen to your podcasts and share them with your friends. This will help us reach more listeners like yourself. If you're local or ever in our area, we would love to meet you. You can find more information about Newport Church on our website at newportchurch.net. The views expressed on this podcast may or may not reflect the views of Newport Church.